Hey, y'all. Hey. Welcome to episode one of Say It To Me Nice. I am your host, Bridgetta Giles. I'm a certified family life educator and sexuality counselor with only one vision, and that's love and good sex for all. This podcast is all about sexual communication and the part that it plays in relationship satisfaction and sexual satisfaction with a heavy emphasis on black couples. I'm not going to lie to y'all. I have been really, really freaked out about episode one, what it should feel like, what it should sound like, who should my guests be? And I came up with a solution. How about I just tell y'all who the fuck I am? That's important. Um, And more importantly, why I came to work in the field of sex education, therapy and counseling and why the content of this podcast is so important, specifically to the black community, specifically newer black couples. But first, I want to introduce a term to you. This may be new to you. It may not be, but just level with me for a second. The term is asexual. Do you know what it means to be asexual? If you don't, let me tell you. To be asexual means that you experience little to no sexual attraction to others. Again, that means you experience little to no sexual attraction to others. Now, I know some of you guys are probably thinking that, oh, bitch, that's me. That's me. Um, this is a huge problem. My relationship, my, my partner wants to have the sex. I don't want to have the sex. And it's because I'm asexual. Not necessarily. Let's break it down a little bit. So there's a difference between libido, which is your sex drive, and sexual attraction. Your libido is the wanting to experience sex, having sex, um, having an orgasm, the motion, just wanting to do the things, right? Sexual attraction is more so being able to look at someone and find them sexually appealing and wanting to fuck them. Like, yo, I see that thing looking real good in them sweatpants, yo. <laughs> or for me, hearing the sound of my lover's voice is makes me want to fuck him every single time. Sexual attraction. Just because people who are asexual may or may not experience sexual attraction does not mean that they don't experience other forms of attraction. So we have quite a few forms of, of attraction, but just to name a few. Um, romantic attraction, um, which is desiring romantic relationship with someone, just being in someone's presence and realizing, yo, we could be a thing. It's something that asexual people can actually experience. Sensual attraction, which is wanting to touch and be touched by another person. I can look at someone and just know I want your hands on me. I want to feel you in some way. I want you to cuddle me. I want you to hug me. I am a sucker for a well-timed hug. It gets me every time. Um, platonic attraction. Uh, wanting to be friends with someone. You just be in the presence of some really dope people. You just know that, yeah, we could be friends. So these are just a few examples of attractions that people who are asexual can actually experience. But... There are some circumstances that people who are asexual can experience some sexual attraction. It might be limited, but it is possible. So the most used example of this is demisexual. Demisexual is something that falls under the asexual umbrella. 
And it means that you only experience sexual attraction to those you have a deep romantic relationship with. So someone who is asexual may still experience a, a sexual attraction to someone that they are in love with and they have this beautiful relationship with and that relationship alone and that connection alone makes them want to fuck them. I think it's important to note that just because someone is asexual, it does not mean that they don't enjoy sex. It just means that they experience little to no sexual attraction. And that's different. It's also important to note that people who are asexual experience asexuality different. So there's no cookie cutter way to be asexual, which brings me to my final point on asexuality. Why is this important for a podcast about sexual communication? Well, these are the conversations that you should be having when you're courting, getting to know, or maybe freshly in a relationship. Let's talk about sexual attraction. Let's talk about sex drive. Let's, hell, let's fucking talk about how important sex is in a relationship because it allows you to be better prepared to navigate these types of situations on the front end, which will save you a whole lot of heartache, pain, arguments, discomfort in the long run. Will it make your relationship perfect? Absolutely fucking not. Perfection is an illusion, but it put you in a position to be better prepared to handle these situations when communication is on the front end and throughout the entire fucking relationship. Never stop talking. Never stop exploring. I want to hear from you. If you've never heard asexual or anything about asexuality, hit my line. That's who's, Does anyone still say hit my line? Was that like super 90s? I don't know because I was in the 1950s and 60s when everyone else was in the 90s. But hit my line or my DMs to let me know, how did you take this? Is this, was this helpful to you? Do you have any questions about asexuality? Um, find me on Instagram at sexpositive underscore CFLE. Everyone is telling me to create a separate Instagram for the podcast. Y'all, that is a lot for me to keep up with. I may, I may not, but at sex positive underscore CFLE is where you can go to correspond with me about what you hear on Say It To Me Nice. So who am I? Um, how did I become the breaker of sexual chains? My, my lover gave me that, by the way. Um, so I'm gonna tell you a little story. I was about 15, 16 years old in a small town in Louisiana called Tallulah. Tallulah, Louisiana. Shout out to Madison Parish. Um, and I went to high school, Ruben McCall Senior High, and they would have assemblies where they would put the boys in the gym and the girls in the auditorium. And they would have a nurse come in and talk to us about sex. I'm not sure what they were telling the boys, but I will tell you the shit that they were telling the girls. Some of it was was okay. Others was just straight fear striking fear of sex into the hearts of, of young girls. And I had a problem with that at a very young age. My grandparents were super open with me about sex. Um, not pleasure. Um, certainly not re relationship, different types of relationships about bisexuality. Uh, none of that. None of that good shit. It was all about the functionality of sex. Penis goes in vagina. 
in, out, in, out. Dude comes. You can get pregnant. Ooh, I ain't raising no motherfucking grandbabies. Great grandbabies, actually. So I'd had the quote unquote talk um, for many, many years. I want to say as early as as fourth or fifth grade. Um, So we were getting these assemblies and I would hear things that completely contradict what I was taught by my grandparents. I was taught by the nurses that condoms can't break. If a guy tells you that um, the condom has broke, he's lying. Now, at the time, I really didn't understand why they would tell someone that. And just thinking back with my adult brain, that was very irresponsible to tell a group of young girls that if a guy tells you that the condom broke, don't believe them. Yo, sis, please listen to them if they tell you that the condom broke so you can stop and get a new condom. Should have been the advice. It was not. I remember the nurse putting the condom on her hand, like rolling it completely up her forearm saying, see, if my arm can fit in here and I know these little boys, little wee-wees. Yes, she said wee-wees. I will never forget. She said wee-wees. A nurse refused to say penis. That's neither here nor there. Um, She pulled it all the way down and was like, it can't break. See, it can't break. And I was sitting here looking like y'all bitches are leading these girls astray. Do y'all not see the amount of pregnant bitches up in here? I am not one of them because my grandparents have told me otherwise. My grandparents know everything. Well, I also wasn't fucking. Um, I was not having sex. I had not had my sexual debut at this time. And no one would listen to me because, Bridgetta, you ain't fucking. So how would you know? How would you know? My best friends and I would have little conversations and uh, it was a group of three of us. Um, One of one of my best friends, she has since passed away. Um, She was sexually active. So myself and my other best friend would talk with her about, okay, yo, what is this like? What do you use condoms? Have condoms ever broke for you? And I'll never forget her telling us about not wanting to use condoms because the guys didn't like them. And it it never made sense to me. I don't care if you don't like it, homie. I would like to not be pregnant because that's all I knew. So I would ask her, you know, was she talking to her her mother about it, her her older sister? Um, what did they think about it? And it was a, a, a crazy ass bitch. No, like, why would I talk to my mother about this? Like, well, who do you talk to about sex so that you know? what you're doing who who do you talk to to be protected it's like i mean i figure it out or i watch tv or i watch a movie or i go to the the nurse's station the same nurses as a centipede telling us that condoms can't break no not at all and that was the beginning of of the the mindset that i knew i wanted to work in the field of of educating people about sex but because at the time i didn't know anything about sex educators right i didn't know i had never seen one oh i'm lying i saw susan johansson um on sex with sue or or sex talk with sue johansson or something like that was the name of the show so i knew it was out there but i never saw a black person doing that i had no idea how to become an educator or someone who spoke about sexual topics. So it was in the back of my mind, but in the front of my mind, I I wanted to be a writer. Um, I still want to be a writer. 
Um, and so that that is what was on on my mind to do. Then I went to college, went to college and got exposed to a different way of living. Again, I'm from a very small town. I went to college in a less small town in Louisiana, and um, I got the opportunity to be exposed to different type of people, people who had who had lived, in my opinion, who who had different experiences. And I was actually led to the field of uh, family and child education, uh, the, the major of family child education, with the mindset that, you know what, I'm going to be a marriage and family therapist um, so that I can not only write books about relationships and about sex and about um, happy families, I was also going to really be educating people on the importance of those things and how to navigate those situations. Problem was, I'm not a therapist. I don't have a therapist mind. Now, granted, I have enough education, have had enough experience in the behavioral health realm that I could possibly be a hell of a therapist on paper, know all the theories, right? But that's not where my passion lies. My passion was in the education piece, standing in front of group of groups of people and educating them on, on different concepts, educating them on the hows and the whys and, and the where it comes from. That's my passion. But it took me a while to understand that because I was so used to people telling me you're not going to make money as an educator. I come from a long line of educators. My grandmother, my mother, my, my, my aunt, they're all educators and they educate the littles. I had no passion for that. Little children in, in large quantities scare me half to death. They look like little ants. But I love speaking with and educating adults. But then I have people in the back of my mind telling me and, and tapping me on the shoulder saying, hey, you're not going to make any money in the state of Louisiana, right, doing this. So it did take me a while to come into my own and realize that, you know what, if there is no lane here, guess what? I'm going to fucking create a lane. And that is what I have done. And I'm so thankful and appreciative of everyone. All of my mentors is too many to name, but just showing me that a black woman can really stand in front of groups and educate people on the power of sex. Like I say, the gospel of sex is amazing. And it really did wonders for my entire career. Somewhere in between me going to college, graduating college, um, and coming into my own private practice, I got married. I was married, um, had a lovely family. We have a little boy. Um, and then I got divorced. And I, once I started to do the healing and being able to recognize the part that I played in the demise of my own marriage, I began to think about those times when we were dating. We, we dated for a very short amount of time before we got married, but really looking at that pivotal time in our relationship and the conversations that we did not have and how those conversations impacted our overall um sexual satisfaction, relationship satisfaction, and and then our, finally our divorce. When we were dating, we didn't talk about sex. We just had sex, right? I don't think we had a conversation about, I know we didn't, um, sex drive, 
and what that looks like in a relationship or in a marriage or how important sex is in our relationship or in a marriage. We didn't have those conversations. So we had a definite um, difference of opinion when it came to that. But we didn't figure that out until once we were already married at that point. Had we had those conversations in the beginning, I do believe that our relationship would have looked a lot different or we may not have had a relationship at all, but we would have been able to remain really good friends at that point. Once I was separated from my ex-husband, I started to date and I found myself feeling very similar things that I felt while I was dating and then marrying my ex-husband when it came to sex, where this is not for me. Like I'm doing this for another person. I'm doing it the way that they want to do it. They're fucking me with the same dick that they gave the last woman they were with. And I'm not okay with that. I need you to be invested into who I am sexually and accept who I am sexually. But I wasn't requiring a conversation about it first. So I was really being unfair to the situations but I was labeling those situations as unsatisfying and really being toxic and talking shit about people when I didn't do my part in ensuring that my pleasure was a topic of conversation, that my pleasure was put at the same level as their pleasure. It took me years to come to that. It took me quite a few situations and therapy. Listen, therapy will be your best friend, but it took me going to therapy and really having conversations with my therapist about sex and about what I wanted and why I had never felt confident or comfortable having these conversations that I knew to the core of me were important. So when I began my practice, my practice was solely pleasure focused sex education. I was teaching how to suck dick. That's to, to date is my favorite class to teach. And my most popular class, uh, Blow by Blow, which is a fellatio class. Um, but that's where I sat. I was very comfortable because, A, I had taken some continued education classes on fellatio. Um, and I've always liked to suck dick. So it was a win-win for all. But as I grew in my practice, grew in my education, obtained my certifications and degrees, and more importantly, grew in my confidence. Y'all, I, prior to me understanding that black people may or may not experience imposter syndrome based on systematic racism and the fact that we are in a place that was never truly designed for us in the first place, but that's a whole nother story for a whole nother podcast. Um, but at the time I did identify with having imposter syndrome and not feeling quite worthy to sit at the table um, with sex educators or feeling like I needed to sit at the table with therapists and not measuring up to therapists, but not realizing, bitch, you're not a therapist. So it doesn't matter. You don't need to be sitting at their table anyway. Create your own table. Again, another podcast for another day. But once I came into my own and understood the power in who I am as I am in my own worth, I really started taking my role as a sexuality educator very seriously. And more important, figuring out who my audience was, who needed me, who was my message best suited for. And for me, it was always going to be black 
couples with a capital B, B L A C K, blackity black. And we'll talk about why in a later episode, but I'm rooting for everybody black. But secondly, I wanted to reach out to the new couples that are in this period of transition. And for those of you who do not know, we are our weakest, most vulnerable when we are in periods of transition, because there's a lot of confusion, a lot of life changes happening, and there's a lot of uncertainty. So I knew that newer couples that are transitioning from being singletons into this fresh new relationship, trying to navigate the newness of figuring out who they are, figuring out who we are in relationships with them. How do we hold true to our values, but also honor their values and ensure that they're heard, but making sure that we're heard. This is the demographic that I am most passionate about. Because honestly, the conversations that you have during this time or the lack of conversations that you're having during this time could honestly make or break your relationship. And that is how Say It To Me Nice became a thing. Well, actually, so let me be real. There was a video circulating the interwebs of this young couple. The The young lady obviously was drunk out of her mind, but they were getting ready. They were pre-gaming. They were getting ready to go to the club or somewhere like that. And they're in the bathroom and the boyfriend is recording her and she's putting on her makeup and they just hype as fuck. And so he's like just really hyping her up and like, oh, you so fine. Get it. Hey, go go and so she in her drunken stupor turns around and say you better say it to me nice and that one line gave me so much joy um and i think it's what it represented for me number one this man was obviously proud to be with her because he was recording her giving her so much love and it really boosted her confidence she felt good right? So for me, say it to me nice is about feeling good, having conversations with your partner that may or may not be comfortable, but they're necessary, right? And it's all about how you say it and what you're saying when you're saying what you're saying. And most importantly, what you're learning in those conversations about yourself, about your partner, and about the health of your relationship and what that can do for you. And that's who I am. That's why I said to me nice is a thing. That's why it's so important for our community. I hope you have enjoyed episode one of Say It To Me Nice, available on all podcasts and platforms. But you guys, I love to engage. I love to talk. I mean, I have a whole podcast about sexual communication. You would think one would like to communicate, right? So here's the deal. I want to know what you thought about today's episode. So leave me a review on Apple Podcasts. Hit my line, although I don't know if people still say that. But slide in my DMs on Instagram at sexpositive underscore CFLE and let me know what you think. Also, if you have any topics that you would like me to cover in connection to relationships, intimacy, sex, how to talk about sex with your partner or partners, or just any sexuality related topic, let me know and I'll see what I can do. This is Bridgetta Giles, pronouns she, her, hers, goddess, and queen. And I'm wishing you love and good sex for all. See you next week.